Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining with us back here on our series called Becoming, really looking at who is it that we are becoming in these seasons that we are in, really looking at that question, who are we because of what God has done in our lives? And last week, what we saw was some really exciting things, was some really powerful truths from Scripture. We saw first that if you belong to Jesus, you are freed from condemnation, right? That if you belong to Jesus, you are free from condemnation. That as uh, you are filled with the Spirit, you are actually freed from the power of sin. And then we also saw how we are welcomed by the Father or adopted by the Father as His children. This is what we saw last week. And I think, maybe I'll put it this way. I think that these things are easier to live into in seasons when things are good. Right? That if things are good, that becomes an easier thing to believe. Like if when I was sharing this last week, if you had a nice cup of coffee, your kids weren't fighting all around you, were perfectly behaved, and things were fairly well for you, I think it's easy to believe those things. But I think sometimes it's really hard to believe the truths of Scripture, especially in seasons of difficulty. Right? It's hard to believe that you're a child of God when you're like yelling at your kids or having a fight with your spouse or you know, suffering through like job loss or sickness or whatever. I think that sometimes difficulty changes how we see and experience things. I know that that's a simple point, but I think it actually does matter. That difficulty does change how we see and experience things. And what I'd like to suggest to you is that all of us in this season, whether in large ways or small ways, are actually experiencing some extra difficulty, some extra challenge, some extra hardship, even in this season that we are in. So today I want to ask a really clear question and give you as most of a clear and direct answer as possible. Today what I want to look at is who are we to become in seasons of difficulty? Who are we to become even in seasons of challenge or even, maybe use a strong word, even in seasons of suffering? Who is it that we are called to become in those kind of spaces and places? Because I would like to suggest to you, we're in that kind of a space or place, right? That this season is difficult. This season is weighty. This season is hard in many ways. So I want to take a look at the question is, who are we to become in a season like this? Who is it that God has for us to become? What is it that he might be doing in your life and in my life? And today, I want to answer the question of who is it we're to become in seasons of difficulty right off the bat. I'm not going to like wait till the middle or to the main point or anything like that. I want to share with you as clearly as I can who it is that we are called to become and who it is that you can become even in this season. What I want to share with you really clearly is just this, is that I believe that as Christians in seasons of difficulty, we need to become people of hope. That's what I believe. Not people of fear, not people of judgment, right? Not people of fake news and condemnation, like none of that kind of stuff. No, no, no. That in seasons of difficulty, and especially in seasons of difficulty, we are called to become people of hope. Anyone want to say amen to that, right? That you could actually use some hope in your life. That you think that our world could use some hope in the lives around us. I think this is our calling as Christians. It is to be people of hope. And today I want to discover how you can become a person of hope. How you can be filled with hope, even in the midst of difficulty. Because Paul in Romans 8, and remember, that's where we're at. We're in Romans 8. Paul in Romans 8, he's going to talk a lot about difficulty and suffering even. But even in the midst of that, he is going to share that you can have hope, that I can have hope, and there are reasons for hope even in challenge and in difficulty. So I want to share that with you today. So if you have your Bibles, let's open them up to Romans 8 and let's discover how we can become people of hope and why we can become people of hope even in seasons of difficulty. So I want to begin kind of right where we left off last week, and that's starting in verse 17. So this is the last verse that I read last week, and it's a good verse, okay? Paul says this, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Like, that sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? That you're an heir to God's glory, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, that sounds pretty incredible. It sounds pretty uplifting, but Paul's about to do like a 180 shift and turn, okay? Because Paul doesn't live in utopia land. That's not where Paul is. Paul knows that our world at times can be difficult. So Paul says this in the very next verse, right? Yet, if we are to share in his glory, 
we must also share in his suffering. Yet if we share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Right? Now, I know that as soon as I read that, many of you are like, that doesn't sound that uplifting. That doesn't sound that, you know, very hope-filled. Right? Some of you are like, can we go back to last week's content? Right? Because Paul, really here, he's very direct. He says this, that we must also share in Jesus' suffering. Right? That we must share in his suffering. Like we should expect it. It's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but in general, in general, I don't want to share in Jesus' suffering. I want Jesus to save me from suffering. Right? How many of you are with me on that? Right? That's what we want. That's what we're hoping for. Right? This is not a verse we pay much attention to, honestly, very often. In fact, if we're going to be leading someone to Jesus, this isn't the verse we pick. Right? But I actually think that this verse has some hope even within it. And I want to share with you why. Because for me, I have a thing for just real honesty. And this verse, if it is anything, it is honest. What I love about it is that Paul doesn't make our world out to be perfect. Paul doesn't deny the realities of the hardship that we face. Because while this is an untheological way to put it, this is just true. Sometimes our world sucks. Amen? Right? Like sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's terrible. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard and long. And sometimes there are things like disease and social distancing and COVID-19. Paul doesn't live in some pretend fantasy land. Paul knows that there's real suffering. And yet even for Paul though, the moment we face suffering, he wants to change the focus. Listen to what he says next. Because Paul doesn't deny suffering, but he does deny that suffering ever gets the last word. Paul puts it um, this way. He says, if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Here's the hope, okay? Here's the hope. He says this, yet, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Yet what we are going through now is nothing compared to what is before us, is nothing compared to the good that God has in store for us, is nothing compared to all that is before you and for me that God has for us. Paul here never wants to deny suffering. He says it's there. We will actually experience it. But then he shifts our focus and he says that there's still good in store for you and for me. This is why for Paul, we can hold on to hope even in the midst of challenge, even in the midst of difficulty. Paul wants to remind us that suffering is real, but so too is hope. And this theme of hope and difficulty is going to continue on in the next few verses. So I'm going to read to you a few of them and just point out that theme of hope and difficulty. And then Paul's going to give us two reasons. Two reasons that no matter what we are facing today, you can hold on to hope because of what God has done for you. So let's keep going. Paul says this, And for all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. This is about the call of Christians to actually care for the creation that God has placed within us. But he says this, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in the glorious freedom from death and decay. Here again, Paul isn't denying that our world sometimes sucks, <laughs> that our world has difficulty with it, that there are things that God never wanted, like disease and breakdown, death and decay. Paul says that even creation is suffering and it's longing for freedom, right? But then notice, as soon as Paul again talks about difficulty, he again kind of pivots to hope because he says this, but with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For Paul, it is very possible to both hold on to the fact that our lives can be difficult and hope at the exact same time. For Paul, hope and difficulty are not mutually exclusive. That it is possible if you're in difficulty to still hold on to hope. And Paul's going to share with that how that's true, not even just for creation, it's also true for us. Listen to how he continues. He says this, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. 
that our world isn't running as it was meant to, right? There was never meant to be COVID-19. This isn't the plans of God. He doesn't actually desire for there to be difficulty, disease, death, and decay, right? That is not his plans and his purposes. So it says this though, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, that we long for our bodies and our lives to be actually as they were meant to be. Right? It says this, and we too, with eager hope, uh, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. Right? Do you see the themes of hope throughout these passages? Paul continues and he says, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something that we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. See, Paul here, he really wants to emphasize two things, that yes, difficulty and suffering is real, but so too is hope, and that hope can be found even in difficulty and suffering. And here, Paul wants to give us language I think is helpful, because if you notice, he talks about longing, and I think that longing is really the language of difficulty. Okay, let me say that again. I know it's simple, but I think it matters. That longing is the language of difficulty. That when we face something, it's not only what we face that is hard, it's what we are also missing that is hard. It's what we're longing for to be different that is hard. Listen to how Paul puts it. We believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. That's how he puts it. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We actually desire to live differently, to have that newness a part of our lives now. That part of what makes suffering and difficulty hard is what we are missing and is what we are longing for. And I think that this matters for us. And I bring this up because I think it matters likely for many of you. That for some of you, some of you, you've been wondering why this season is hard, right? That when you think about it like almost rationally, you're like, why is it so hard for me to stay at home and watch Netflix? Why does this seem to be going on so long, right? You'd think that this wouldn't be as hard as it is for many of us. And the reason that it's hard isn't just because of what we are experiencing, follow with me, it is also about what we are missing, right? It's also about what we are missing, that we are missing a world where we can hug our friends, that we are missing a world where we can invite our neighbors in for a meal and to talk and to be with them. We are missing a world where like grandchildren can go to their grandparents' homes. That is what we are missing. That is what some of us are longing for. That part about what makes it difficult that the season we're in isn't just what we are experiencing, it's also what we are missing. So Paul recognizes this. He names this, right? He names that longing and that difficulty. But then again, he almost instantly shifts back again to hope. Listen to what he says. He says, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. But then he goes on, he says this, and we too wait. We wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights. We were given this hope when we were saved. For Paul, the fact that you're going through difficulty does not cancel out the possibility of hope being a part of your lives. For Paul, the fact that we might be in suffering or challenge doesn't mean we can't hold on to hope too, right? That's what he clearly says is, yes, we're in difficulty, but we eagerly hope. We hold on to it confidently and patiently. That's his words. That's his language. And Paul's then going to give us two reasons today. And this, this is a part I really want to focus in on. He's going to give us two reasons that we can hold on to hope even in difficulty. And these two reasons have to do not with what we are doing. It has to do with what God is doing. We read this. We read this. He says in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray for. Is there ever a better verse than that? Has anyone else just felt like, I don't know what to pray for in some seasons, in some situations, right? That it all just seems too much. It's too overwhelming. It's just, you know, all over the place. He says this, and when we do not know what we ought to pray for, listen to the promise. The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. That the Holy Spirit prays for you. The Holy Spirit prays for me. That's what interceding means, 
right? Listen to this. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. What that means is the Spirit is praying for you in line with the will of God. The Spirit is praying for me in line with the will of God. This is a beautiful promise. This is one of the reasons that today I believe that you can have hope, that no matter where you are at, you can have hope because the Holy Spirit is praying for you, is interceding for you, is actually lifting you up, right? This is what these verses are speaking, and this matters for you, and I think it matters for me because maybe this is a bit too honest, but there's been a few times, or maybe more than a few times, in the past few weeks, where just, honestly, it's been all I can do just to get through the day. That I want to be one of those pastors who are like super spiritually strong. Like I really want to be that. But sometimes I just, it's just not there. I just don't feel it. Like I'll go to pray and there'll be like nothing. It'll be dry. It'll be difficult. Or there's times where I just don't even want to pray. That all I can do is just get through the day. And I find out that I've been working from 9 a.m. to like, you know, late at night. And I'm like, I don't have anything left. Has anybody ever been there before other than your pastor? This is why this verse gives me so much encouragement, because when I just can get through the day, when there's nothing left within me, what I'm reminded of is that the Spirit is praying for me. Amen? And the Spirit is praying for you. What this passage reminds us about is that this is not all about you or about me. It is about what God is doing for us, even in the midst of difficulty. That God is not finished and that He is working. And so I want to say something really clearly. Okay, I want to say something really clearly to each and every one of you. If you feel alone in this season, you are not. You are not, you are not, you are not, because the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. The Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is lifting you up. And so what I want to say to you is that if sometimes all you can do is make it through the day, that's enough. That's enough. And that's all right. And that's okay. Do you want to know why? It's because when we are weak, the Holy Spirit is lifting us up. When we are weak, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. When we are weak, the Holy Spirit is praying for us. Amen? Could there be a more beautiful promise that the Holy Spirit is praying for you? That the Holy Spirit is praying for you. So do you want to know why I believe that today, no matter what you are facing, you can hold on to hope, even in difficulty? Because the Holy Spirit is praying for you. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. That's what these verses say. Listen to this. And we do not know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. It says that the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That the Spirit intercedes for you and intercedes for me. This is why even in difficulty and even in COVID-19, I think we can hold on to hope because God's spirit is still praying. Next, we read this. And Paul says this. And we know. And we know. And we know. Like, there's certainty there. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Paul is saying that God is working things towards good and everything will end up and turn towards good. That's what he's saying. He says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them such glory. And now I know there's lots in this passage and there's lots of details and all the things I've just read. And if you have questions on that, send them to the Q&A. But today I want to focus in on the high main points and that's this, that I believe that we can have hope even in difficulty because listen to what Paul teaches us. What he teaches us is that no matter what we go through, that in the end, evil, suffering, sin, and difficulty, those things never have the last word. Amen? That sin, suffering, difficulty, those things never have the last word. Listen to how Paul puts it. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. That God's going to work everything towards the good of those who love God. Now, this should be clear, okay? 
but this verse does not say that God causes everything we go through. That is ridiculous and just terrible. Like, it's just really lazy theological thinking, okay? It is not true that everything we go through that God causes it. It is also not true that everything we go through is good. That is not what these verses are saying. Remember, Paul doesn't deny suffering. He doesn't deny the reality of difficulty. That is not what these verses are saying. Do you want to know what these verses are saying? When Paul says that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, another way to put it is just this. Anyone want to say amen to this? That the good of God can never be stopped. Amen? That the good of God can never be stopped. That no matter what we face, no matter how difficult, no matter how dark, no matter how evil it may be, that the good of God can never be stopped. That God is always moving, God is always working, and he is always working things towards his good. And his plans, can I just be honest with this? His plans are always good. Amen? His plans are always good. They are always, always, always good. This is what this verse is. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. It doesn't mean we go through, it doesn't mean everything that we go through is good. That is just obviously false. There are some really difficult things that we go through that God does not cause, want, or have any part of. But what God means is that even those things won't stop him from bringing about his purposes, his plans, what he has for you and what he has for me. What this verse means is that when we go through difficulty, we don't need to deny it. We don't need to pretend that God caused it. What we don't need to do, though, is to buy the lie that God isn't active even in the midst of it, that he isn't active and moving things towards his plans and his purposes. This verse, this verse should give you hope because no matter what you are facing, no matter what you are facing, it's not going to stop God. It's not going to stop God and what he has for you and what he has for me. That's what these verses mean. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. So what does this all mean for us? Because I know, I know I've covered a lot today. I know I've read so many verses and I haven't gone over every single detail. But today I want to draw your attention to the main things. That when I read this passage, what I see is Paul intertwining two themes the reality of difficulty, but even still the reality of hope that is stronger than whatever we are facing. That's what this passage is about. What I think Paul wants us to become, even in seasons of difficulty, is people of hope. People of hope because what of what God is doing, right? That God is praying for us and that God is working things towards his plans and purposes and his goodness. Paul, when he speaks, it's like he can't stop speaking of hope. He says, yes, creation is longing, but it's eagerly hoping. He says, yes, we are longing, but there's hope there too. For Paul, it is possible, even in difficulty, to become a person of hope. But what does that actually mean when I say that? So I want to explain a little bit of what I actually believe hope is. Because I want to be clear with this. This is what hope isn't. Hope isn't wishful thinking. Hope isn't positive thinking. Hope isn't the belief that maybe there'll be something good that comes out of it. No, no, no. That is not what hope is. Hope is a belief of this. Hope is the belief that even in darkness or difficulty, that God will still be true, that God will still be good, and that God still comes through on his promises. Amen? Right? That even in difficulty, God comes through in his promises. That's what hope is. Hope is trust in the activity and action of God. No matter what our circumstances around us look like, hope is the belief that God is still good and still true and still moving. Andrew Root puts it this way, and I can't tell you how much I love, how much I love this. He says, optimism. Optimism says something good will come out of this experience. And there's so much of that thinking all around. There must be some silver lining or some good will happen or whatever. Optimism looks for some good out of the bad. That is not at all what hope does. No, he says this. He says, hope says, in the midst of this hell, God will act. Anyone want to say amen to that? 
right? That in the midst of this difficulty, God will act. Hope doesn't look for good and evil. Hope says that even in evil, God is acting. God will not let it rest until his plans and his purposes have come together. That's what hope is. And that is why hope is always stronger, deeper, and better than just optimism or positive thinking. Hope actually does two things. It never denies the reality that we are in, but then it never forgets that God is always moving and always acting. And that even in the most difficult places, what did we learn? God is praying for you and that God's purposes are still true and will still come about. So today, what's my main point? My main point is just this, that we can become people of hope because of what God is doing, right? That we can become people of hope because of what God is doing. And I just think that our world needs this, doesn't it? Doesn't our world need some more hope? It doesn't need more fear, anxiety, worry, or fake news. It doesn't need any of that. What it needs is people who are actually filled with the Spirit of God, who can actually be hope-filled presences in their families, in their communities, and in their friendships. I think that we need, especially in seasons of difficulty, to be people of hope. I think this is the calling of Christians, and I think this is actually who we are to become. I believe that today you can become a person of hope. The question is, is how? Right? How do we do this? Well, like in some ways, this should be obvious. You don't become a person of hope by trying harder, right? You don't need to grit this out or to do more. Do you want to know how you become a person of hope? You let God work in your life. That's how. I believe that hope is the active work of God in our hearts. That when God is working, hope shows up. That's how you become a person of hope. It isn't about you. It's about what God wants to do in you and through you. You become a person of hope when you receive more of God. Right? It isn't about you trying harder or doing more. Right? For some of us, like that'll just come off as guilt and more expectation. Like we can't do anything more in this season. So what you need, what you need isn't to do more. What you need of is more of God in your life. And we wanted to say amen to that. That they need more of God in their life. Right? I'll tell you, tell you for me, I don't need more uh, weird Andrew patterns. Okay? No. I don't, like, no. no one needs more of those. <laughs> I don't need more weird anxiety loops. I don't need more weird patterns of behavior. I don't need more of me in my life. What I need, what I need is more of God in my life. I think you're probably the same. Right? That if you want to become a person of hope, it doesn't, become, uh, it doesn't happen because of us. It happens because of what God does in us. So how do we become a person of hope? Answer is simple. We need to receive more of God's Spirit. That's how you become a person of hope. You need to receive more of God's Spirit. And that's my challenge this week. Would you receive more of God's Spirit? And I know that like basically every single one of my sermons in the last six weeks have ended in the exact same way, right? Of you receiving more of God. But I just, I just think this is actually what we need in this season. We don't need more of ourselves. We need more of God's spirit within us than ever before. I think we need to rely on the spirit. I think we need to lean on the spirit. I think we need to trust in the spirit who is praying for you and is praying for me even right here and right now. So today, my challenge is, is would you be filled with the spirit so that you can become a person of hope? a person of hope for your families, a person of hope for your neighbors, a person of hope for the frontline healthcare workers, a people of hope for their grocery stores that you go to. I want to be a person of hope for the North End no frills that I go to every week. That's what I want. But I know for that to happen, that only happens with God doing more within me, not me trying harder, right? So here's my message for you today. That I believe that you can become a person of hope because of what God has done. And I think that our world needs some hope and I think it can start with you. And you want to know how I know that? because this last week I experienced that a little bit that there were some people who took some action and it filled me with hope because on Saturday like the weirdest thing the weirdest thing happened for us 
on Saturday. I don't, I don't know how to describe it other than there was like an appreciation parade that went past our house. Okay. Um, there were over 80 plus cars, uh, a few walkers, and then Larry and Sharon were biking at the end. Okay. And these people who are in these cars, they all had signs about appreciation for like, like me and Krista and our family. And they were just there as an encouragement to us. And I got to tell you, uh, not only was I totally overwhelmed and super awkward because I didn't really know what was going on. And even when I saw signs that said like, we love you, Andrew, I, I, I thought it was for a different Andrew. <laughs> like I was just not sure what was happening. I got to tell you though, that experience just really filled me with hope and encouraged me. And I tell you, it also lasted not only with me, it lasted with our neighbors because our neighbors, they came out and wondering why is there like 80 cars honking as they drove past our house. Oh, they loved it. They really, they really loved it. Really did. They filled they their day. Filled their day. Yeah, and they wanted to know, like, was it my birthday, right? And instead, no, what I got to tell them was, no, no, this is what church looks like. This is what Christians look like. This is what followers of God look like. People of hope and encouragement and life, even in seasons of difficulty. And do you want to know how this all started? Because one home church decided this would be a good idea to do, and 48 la eight hours later, this is what happened, right? This is why I want to encourage you to be filled with God, because when you get filled with God and you take action, that's when hope starts to spread, right? And it starts and it begins with Him working within you. Right? And that then you can share that with other people. So today, my challenge is really simple. Would you receive more of the Holy Spirit so that you can be a person of hope in your neighborhood? So you can be a person of hope in your family, in your community, and where you are at. Because today, I do believe we can hold on to hope because the Spirit is praying for you and God is still working things towards good. So even in difficulty, we can become people of hope because God is still good and still working. So to close today, close today, I want to do something I've done before in the past few weeks. I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to maybe, if you're able, to just open up your hands, to maybe just open up your posture a little bit. And I want to pray that you would receive hope from the Holy Spirit. Because I believe that God is in the business of hope, and I believe that Christians are to be called to be hope-filled people. So today, I want to pray over you, actually, some words of Paul. These are the words of Paul near the end of Romans, actually. He says this, that I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then he says this, and then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say amen to that, that you want to be filled with confident hope overflowing through the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can share that with your family, your friends, and your neighbors. This is what I want to invite you to do. And I want to invite you just to receive more of the Spirit in this moment. And so today I'm going to pray over you. Not, not because I'm special or perfect, but simply because actually last Saturday I received a lot of hope. And so I want to share that with you today by just praying over you. Would you join with me in prayer this morning? God, I ask. I ask in this season that is strange and difficult and long, I pray with these words of scripture be true. Would you fill us to overflowing with hope? Would you work within our hearts? Would you rid us of fear? Would you strip away anxiety? And instead, would you replace that with something bigger and better and more of you, which is the hope that you have for us? I pray, God, would we just be filled with such Oh, Lord, excitement of the fact that you are praying for us, that you are still working things towards good. I pray, Lord, would there be trust that is just uh, so strong in your purposes and in your plans. And I pray in this season, Lord, I pray in this season, might we receive more of your spirit. I pray that would be true for everyone who is hearing these words. Might we receive more of your spirit and then might we share hope with those around us. I pray, Lord, would you work hope into our lives so that we might work hope into our communities. And we pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.